Hey everybody, uh, welcome to our online service here at Christ Community Chapel. So glad that you have joined us. If some of you are new and this is the first time or one of the first times that you have joined us, and I know that that's true for some of you, because I've heard stories of people sharing with neighbors and even heard one story of it being broadcast at Skyline Chile, which is awesome. Uh, but if you're joining us new, I just want to welcome you. Thanks. I'm glad you're here. All right. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to hang in there. This too will pass. Don't forget what we talked about last week. This is such a great opportunity for those of us who are followers of Jesus. So I hope you're taking advantage of that. I hope you are being filled with faith and love, with courage and compassion and moving out into the community the way you can to serve people. I know we as a church are finding different ways where we can serve our community, and we'll be letting you know more and more about that as the days go on. All right, so we have this theme uh, that will take us as a church all the way to September, and uh, it's such an appropriate theme for such a time as this. Our theme is simply, love matters most. Love matters most. And it comes from a conversation that Jesus had with a man in Matthew chapter 22. A man walks up to Jesus and asks him, what's the greatest commandment? What's the most important thing to God? And Jesus, without hesitation, said love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus added this, that all the law and the prophets rests on this. And what Jesus was saying is that every rule, every commandment, every law in the Bible at its core is about love. So we are in this series on the Ten Commandments, uh, the ten most famous rules in the Bible, to put this to the test, to see if we can find love right smack dab in the middle of each of these commandments. And the commandment for today is the Eighth Commandment, and it's a very short commandment. It's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. And this is the commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. And like most of the commandments, it seems obvious. Of course you shouldn't steal. But I want to start with the question, why? Why? Why is it wrong to steal? Why is that part of the Ten Commandments? Uh, my daughter, Becker, Becca, lives in Houston. And uh, a few months ago, uh, someone broke into her car and stole her phone and her favorite purse. Don't steal a woman's favorite purse. That is just low. What's interesting is to watch her now. She still has been impacted now months later. And if you have ever talked to anybody who has had their house broken into, you probably know why. They describe it as being violated. That is something more than just having a purse and a phone to replace. Something else has happened deep within my daughter. And the question is, what? You know, behind each one of the commandments is a why. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Zach, I thought, did a brilliant job with thou shalt not murder. Right? Why not murder? And the answer is because you are made in the image of God. There is something about the way God puts you together that makes murder absolutely abhorrent. The same thing is true about stealing. What makes stealing wrong? And the answer is you were made for stuff. 
You were made to have and to care for things. You were made for material possessions, which means that's why when someone takes it from you, it's not just that they're taking that from you. They're doing something to the way that you are wired. You can watch that with a little kid. Take something that a little kid feels like is theirs and they will scream like you are hurting them. And in some ways, you are. So that's the why answer. Why is stealing wrong? Because there is something about the way God wired you that you are wired to have and to care for things. And now the second question is how? How do we steal? And this is where it gets interesting, and this is where it gets kind of more appropriate, this commandment more appropriate now than ever in the midst of this coronavirus. Because there are two ways to actually steal. There's wrong taking and there's wrong keeping. Wrong taking and wrong keeping. The wrong taking is pretty straightforward. Uh, wrong taking, I'll, I'll divide it into two types of wrong taking. There is what I'll call the blue collar way and the white collar way. Blue collar stealing is what happened to my daughter. The smash and grab kind of thing, breaking and entering, it's easily quantifiable. What'd they steal? A phone and a purse. And then there's white collar stealing, which is a little bit different. It's a little bit harder to track. Uh, just a little while ago, I was talking to a young man and he was one of the highest performers in his company. But he's a little disgruntled with his company. And he told me, you know what, I'm just coasting now. I'm doing as little work as possible. And I thought, huh. Every employer is paying their employees to do their very best work. If you are employed by somebody, you are being paid for your very best effort. When you do not give that effort, then you are doing a wrong taking. You are stealing from that company. It's harder to quantify. Calling in sick when you're not sick, wrong taking. I had an insurance company one time, uh, keyword there, had, because every time I made a claim, it was rejected. And I, uh, I would call them and I would say, listen, I can't believe you rejected that claim. I'm reading my policy, this is what it says. And they would begrudgingly then say, okay, we'll cover it. Everything they would reject, and then everything they would cover. And I started to think, I wonder if that's just their MO. I wonder if they've been told, reject every claim, even if we're supposed to cover it, and then maybe they won't fight back. Listen, if you are in a company like that, that is wrong taking, right? You owe people things, and if you refuse to do what you say you would do, then that's a wrong taking. But here's where it gets interesting when we talk about wrong keeping. Paul the Apostle in the book of Ephesians, when he talks about the eighth commandment, he says this. This is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. He says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may, be have, some, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay, here's a riddle. Uh, when does a thief quit being a thief? And you'd think the answer is when he stops stealing. Paul actually says the answer to the question, when a thief quits being a thief, is not when they stop stealing. It's when they start giving. 
And that's where wrong keeping comes in. Uh, it's interesting the way different governments are set up. The American government is set up on American capitalism, uh, which says, according to the Fifth Amendment, that you have the right to own private property. So your property is yours to do with what you want. Communism, on the other hand, says the state owns all property. You have nothing to do with what you want. Christianity says that God owns property, and you are a steward of that property and of those resources. And that's a difference. Right? That's why God would say what he says in Malachi chapter 3. This is God speaking. He says, will man rob God, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. In your tithes and contributions. God says you can rob him by keeping. He doesn't say, listen, I think you are too stingy. I think you shouldn't be miserly with what you have, with your possessions. What God says is if you are not being generous, if you are not giving, then you are actually robbing me because all that you have is mine. Let me give you an analogy. I have a friend who's got a family foundation. If my friend came to me and he said, Joe, you know, I think you are a great guy and I want to give you a chunk of my family foundation and you can do whatever you want with it. You can take Karen out to dinner. You can go on nice vacations. You can even build a bigger house if you want to. But I want you to know this. There are two things that I really care about. I care about people in need and I care about the church. So I want you to, every year, whatever the foundation earns or whatever you have, I want you to give 10% to those two things. And if you find a church that cares for people in need, you can give it all there. But you give to those two things. How would you feel about that? Would you just say, oh, that's awesome. I get up to 90% to do with whatever I want. But he says, you do this with 10%. Now, if he comes to me in a couple of years, and he says, hey, Joe, tell me, how are things going? Who have you been helping? How have you been supporting the church? And I say, well, you know, to be honest, I uh, haven't really been doing that. How do you think he'd feel? I don't think he would say to me, listen, I want you to be more generous with your money. He would say, listen, Joe, what are you doing with my money? See, what God says is that every single thing that we have used, any of have used to, to make money, he has given us. He gave you life. He gave you your mind. He gave you your opportunities. He gave you your health. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, it shows us how fragile we are and how fragile the world economy is and how everything is really out of our control and in God's control. Because that brings me to the third point. You have to listen to this. Don't quit listening because <laughs> this is important. How do we become generous people? And the answer is not an ought. And when I say that, what I mean is that I don't want you to go, oh, okay, now I feel guilty and Pastor Joe wants me to give more. And he's, of course, he's trying to make this plea for the church in some you know, backwards way. That's, that's not it. That's not the way you're going to change. That's not the way the Bible says to change. 
The Bible says what you need is a new heart. Because generosity and love are already connect, all, always connected. Always, always. Right? You are generous to the things that you love. If you love your kids, you will be generous to your kids. If you love golf, you'll be generous when that comes to that hobby. We are generous to the things that we love. And this is what I want to tell you, is that the only way that we get a new heart is to look at Jesus and to look at how he became poor so that we might be made rich. The pain of his generosity toward us should make any pain that we feel in being generous with anybody just make us laugh in comparison. If you have, if you have struggled being generous, if you have struggled with giving, then what I want you to do is spend some time just praying to God and asking him to increase your love for Jesus. Increase your understanding of Jesus. And then find a way to be generous. Go to your neighbors. This is a time for us. Oh, this week we have passed out breakfasts and lunches to children, a thousand children who need breakfast and lunch. Every week for three weeks, we're going to do this as a church. It's a blast when you are generous in any way. And the way, the reason that we can be generous as a church is because so many of you are already generous in the way that you give. And if you are already generous, just keep doing that. Keep loving. Generosity makes you love more. Love makes you be more generous. If you struggle being generous, then go back to love. Right? Loving God, that's why it's all about love. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And if you do that, then you'll begin to love your neighbors yourself through the generosity by being a steward of what God has already given you. Let me encourage you with that. Because for this time, it's such a great time to be a follower of Jesus. When other people are hoarding, we get to open our pantries and say, let us share what we have with you. Because for us and for the God we serve, love matters most. Thanks. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thanks for all that you have given us. Uh, mostly, thank you for Jesus. Thanks for his life, his death, his resurrection, and all that that means to us, all that he gave up in order to save us. I pray that you will remind us of that today in such a way that we will fall more deeply in love with him, and that love will work its way out in us through generosity. I pray that you will spare us from wrong-taking and wrong-keeping. And let us love you and then love others the way you want us to. Thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.